We're going to continue with our introduction to Menashe. The introduction is really more of an overview to try to figure out how this can happen, how can somebody do so much evil and then do a lot of tshuva and try to land in the uh, place where we're being misakin. So, first short marmalkum in the Rina Sislach, you have the one page in front of you. Makes the dig, we made brief mention of this. I just wanted to add the bottom left hand corner. The different descriptions of when somebody dies in Tanakh, what the expression is and what is indicative of the particular word being used. So, that David says, Shriva and Yayav, who, if you recall from Nabi Shirim from years ago, had considerable schusim and accomplishments, also had considerable mistakes. And the Gemara describes that he was buried in his house, meaning in his backyard, and it described his uh, house as being in a midbar. And the Gemara says, nobody lives in a midbar. And the Gemara says, he was so generous, it was like a free-for-all. You walk in, take whatever you need. The Aniyam came, people came, people left, and it was, uh, it was Hefker, which is Gavaldic. He was a person of means after being commander-in-chief for so many years, and he shared it. And if you remember the main theme of Yoyev in his mind, which was partially true, was to protect Malchus Beis David. The only downside in Yoyev is that he held so stark he has to protect Malchus Beis David, he held he should do it even against David himself. And he certain, uh, certainly uh, showed it. He countermanded David's own direct sevoy on certain occasions, which reminds said David is king and he's commander-in-chief. And David Melech uh, left a word with Shlomo to take care of him, to give him a kapara belamazeh. And hopefully, all indicators, that worked. He's a ben alamaba. Goes down history as a tzaddik. Lamaisa, this doesn't necessarily tell us uh, what his level was when he died. We just know from Chazal that it was, it was good, and he got his kapara. Lamaisa, he didn't leave a son kamaisai, which doesn't mean... But the Gemara's contrast here is Yayev, it says Misa, David, it says Shriva, Shriva, just like you're going to sleep. It's a much uh, nicer Lashem. And the Gemara says, David Shenir ben Kamaisa, Namer ba Shriva. David Amalch left a ben Kamaisa. Shlom Amalch. Shlom Amalch was not David Amalch, but ben Kamaisa means in his league. He left somebody, an heir to the throne, who was a tzaddik, who would take over and continue his work. Yayev, unfortunately, didn't have that particular schus. Yayev shlo'anir ben kamaisa ne'emar ba'misa. So, he asks the obvious kasha, once you know this gemara over here, by Chizkiah Menashe. Tzorachin, ech ne'emar shchiva b'chizkiah k'shenir ben rosha k'menashe. It says shchiva. Chizkiah ha'melech was a tzaddik, died a tzaddik, and certainly would deserve that lushen, but it has to fit into the gemara. The gemara says it's not a litmus test of your tzitkus only, it's also this ad is chus, which even if you're a tzaddik, you don't always have. And Lachaira Chizkiah, despite his sitkus, didn't have it because he left over Menashe, is not he niach ben Kamaisai, quite the opposite. Was that 
Interesting. Why use that lotion? You have to go through Tanakh, and uh, there are probably lots of yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yosef is also a nice lotion, by the way. Yosef is his neshama was gathered to his forefathers, not as a final lotion, but uh, I agree. You'll probably find more if you look through, and you have to uh, examine each one. But over here, Menashe is a very, um, unfortunately, very stark contrast, and. We alluded to the answer over here, I believe last week, and that is it's hard to imagine that as a 12-year-old, he hit the ground running as a Rosh Musha with a campaign to change everything. Did he or didn't he? So he suggests, again, it's hard to know, it doesn't look like that. He certainly had the best cheder in the world or the best tutors. When it started, when did it change? Who knows? But I can imagine we've had this already with a number of kings to take some of the blame off. Although, Yaakov, you're still wondering, rightfully so, from last week, why are we putting all the blame on Manasha? I can imagine a 12 year old prince who just became king, a lot of pressure, and he has a lot of advisors. And you know, the way it goes, Chiskio surrounded himself with good men, but there were plenty of people like half of Chizkiah's cabinet at any given time, and half the people in Yishalayim were against him when he was trying to hold out against Melech Asher. You can imagine those people connived their way into power and tried successfully, unfortunately, to influence the young king. So, I would imagine that if you want to fit this in, and that's the only suggestion we have, he started off and he was in seventh grade, had a good Rebbe, and for all intents and purposes, uh, wanted to do the right thing. Didn't last very long because he had the her and his advisors got to him. Yaakov, sorry to say, it still doesn't help relieve him of any of his responsibilities, but uh, that's just my conjecture. It didn't help matters that the people who wanted to gain power were usually up to no good because they wanted to misuse it. So that's the backdrop of what was going on here at the beginning. Let's go to the Das Seferim. He's going to outline some of which we began to introduce last week. I just bracketed a few very important parts just to give us a feel for what was going on. Yitzchak Suraskin. He has wonderful things. We're going to be using him a lot for the remainder of he has, a, as we get closer to the Chorban, there's a lot more to explain, and he has a lot of very interesting material, and uh, and Terutzim. Uh, we're going to see the Dasei from on page one, which is out of order here. So flip it to the, there's two page ones here. One is the Divayam he's going to quote. So go to um, the flip side, which should be page two. Shin Samach Beis. Oizbez, second column. Vayatsara kataevis agayim asher hayrish. So Pasik Malachim says, you look at the top Pasik, top of the page, Vyatsara Beni Hashem Kitovas Agayim Asha Hirish Hashem Bibnebin Israel. The Arid Chutzpam almost is that Hashem gave us the wherewithal, Nisim and the flows to get rid of all the Gayim. And those that were beaten, those who were out a long time ago, he now turns to dig up their Avodazaras and bring them back and start using them. 
So that Sefer points out, it doesn't say that he used the Avodah that were in vogue, the ones that were popular, which would have been slightly more understandable. Yetzirah, what's in front of you here, you have to go back, to turn the clock back, which he's going to use in his expression here a few times. And this is the central yesoid of his Ashkafa Sachaim, unfortunately. He came to the incorrect, damaging, destructive conclusion. That this experiment, which he termed as an experiment of Klaisol and Yisrael, is just not working. The Klaisol is not working, and it's not going to work. And 10 out of 12 Shvatim have been sent into exile, almost never to be heard from again. Sure, there was some communication, and some of them came back, but for the most part, they're not coming back for the foreseeable future. Possibly not at all. See, Dafka searched and dug up the older Vodazaris to show that I'm going to press the reset and go back to what it was when we came in and this time we're going to sort of apologize to them and worship them because the whole thing doesn't work. This is real kfir. Like you can't, you can't get a worse Ashkav Zachayim. We spoke about this last week. All the isms in the last century tried to do the same thing due to the same or similar pressures in Gullus and saying, look, this... Uh, Going on too long, it's not working. And we have the luxury of the 2020 hindsight that it certainly is working and will continue to work. He's going to put back what Canaan, Eretz Canaan, looked like when they got there. It's uh, pretty horrifying. And somebody can come up with a swirl like this and then institute a program. Because he feels that if you do something and it doesn't work, so clean up and put it back. No, so he's going to address that. He's going to tell that that uh, we've got to apologize to them. The reason things are so bad is because they're still angry. The gods are still angry. He's got to appease them. Of course, it's, I don't want to over-explain it. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous in his career. I mean, why doesn't he say that we have to do tshuva and we can fix it instead of... Okay, so you must be from. Uh, that's the problem over here. This is like a depressed person. And Acha started doing this, but he's going to do it in a much more uh, organized way, if you'll call it. No, I'm saying his grandfather started doing this, but his grandfather didn't dare uh, put the Avarazar in the base of Mikdash and didn't. Uh, he locked the base of Mikdash. Pretty bad what Achas did, but. Um, Chizkiel undid most of it, and Yoshio Amalek will undo a lot of this, but uh, each time it's done, it's a little harder, a lot harder to undo. Yes? The conversation that he has with Ravashi with the dream, you say that the, 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 the atmosphere was, was oh. ripe for this because it's like they, it almost sounds yeah, like the Yetzirah was overpowering. The only conclusion that we could come up with as to how to actually I thought you were going to ask something else. I thought you were going to ask, uh, sounds like from the dream that he told Ravashi, he said, look, I agree with you, this doesn't make any sense. We had such a powerful Yetzirah to do Avadazar just for the Yetzirah for Avadazar, we did it. Here it sounds premeditated, thought out, well-organized, not just the Yetzirah that swept over him. 
So that's what I thought you were going to ask. What your, it could be that you know you have to fit in. It's hard to know from the dream because Manasha was well. We don't know where he was, but assuming he might have been sitting in Olam Haba as the head of the chamber of the Baal Tshuva, he had a very clear view now of what happened, and really he thought there was a cheshben, and he thought it all out, and it was a new mahalach, really, it was just a plain old Yetzirah, and he was rationalizing then. So the dream is not really a riot, because he's telling Avashi that even if you subtract and take away all my kruma cheshbenes, there was a very powerful allure, which if you were here, you would have difficulty with. That's how I put together the dream, and what the Dasefrim is putting forth as what the facts on the ground were and what he was trying to accomplish. And I think they're, they're certainly both true, just that that's Menashe talking many years later. Either Hasashalom, not from Olam Haba, but clearly seeing the MS because he was in the Olam MS, or from Olam Haba having seen the MS and Ganeman gone through it, now uh, made the Tikkun, one of the two. So I'm glad you brought it up, even if that's not what you were trying to bring up. But uh, it's, a good, it's a very, very good point. Like for now, like it's, 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 it fast forward some time from now until later, so somebody will come back and say, I don't understand, how were you dealing with, you know, like, the fear of the time is that it, some people, like, in order, when they see the world, it almost feels, and it's from a certain perspective, that, that the whole, like, that, let's say, a, a commitment to a scientific way of looking at it. I understand all the, all the know, isms. Lamaisa, I wasn't there, and you weren't there. I'm talking about the Holocaust now. Uh, and we can't judge anybody who had an adverse reaction and went off because of it and moved to uh, Brazil and uh, concealed every aspect of Judaism, I'm not picking up Brazil per se, just moved somewhere and, and you know, didn't bring up the kids Jewish because they don't want to go there. You, can't, you can understand, you can't blame it, but there were enough Heilige Yidin who went through it, who not only survived, but had tremendous inertia and cheshek to rebuild, and it didn't affect their halach uh, So, Lamaisa, that's Pachat Abachayim. They're difficult in understanding some life, and you have to... Uh, uh, nothing's insurmountable, it's just very, very difficult. Let's continue here. Again, his first plan is to turn back the clock. So, Dasefim says, I'm glad I'm reading the Dasefim because I'm sure he didn't have any bad dreams, and I can always say I'm reading the Dasefim, but he basically says, Yaakov, to your point of who to place the blame, he says, This was the biggest. Merid, the biggest rebellion anybody ever did in Klaiso. Since and before. To have an organized program uh, and pushing uh, the agenda. Achaz, again, just to compare, lock the doors. Okay, that's pretty bad. Lock the doors, the best measures, but we don't find that he had an army, he was killing people all the time in order to be able to stop. Even uh, fast forward to Hordis, who was not uh, anywhere near the Madrega, the Manasha was, Bain Latay, Bain Lara. He was an Ebed Shamarad. Uh, even though he killed all the Tamil Chamin, but that was more of a personal vendetta because uh, in his mind, they held he couldn't be king and he wasn't a Kayan and he was this and he was possibly. Uh, it was Hordis and it was Yanai, both of them. Yanai had a Taina, Yanai some base Kashman on him, and he had a Taina, they puzzled his mother, which in the end they didn't. And then Hordis uh, had a Taina that they looked at him like an Ebed, which he was. So they both had a personal vendetta and they killed a lot of people. So it looks like they're trying to do the same thing. Manasha. There was nothing personal. He was king. They recognized he was the son of the king. He had every right to be king, and there was nothing personal over here, and they wanted him to do a great job. They were all behind him at the very beginning. He was changing the program. That was the, uh, that was the issue here. Well, also, it's because of the systematic uh, system to institute 
yes, yes, we call that we call that Eretz Yisrael. They they look at it as a as a very uh, bad phrase. It's called Kviyad Datit. So okay, and a democracy uh, doesn't work as well, and people have tainas on any form thereof, like just holding the status quo and having things closed on Shabbos, which was the agreement we made with Ben Gurion. So I don't know what their problem is. They're trying to turn the clock before that. But yes, the purpose of a king, the only might of a king over democracy is that when things have to get done and a democracy won't accomplish it, but the democracy really doesn't change things as we spoke about many times. It just goes back and forth and back and forth and 52, 48 and 48 and 52. And, and sometimes you get things done like last week and two weeks ago as we spoke about on Shabbos, but rare. So a king has the power and the police arm to enforce things sometimes to enforce positive things, like Chizkiyo, and unfortunately right now to enforce very negative things. Uh, I will say the good news before the bad news, even under Menashe, when you enforce with a very heavy hand the wrong thing, there will always be tzaddikim who will fight you and go underground and survive, and Klai's will survive. The bad news is, under Chizkiyo, when he forced the good thing, there will always be some people who are skipping night seder. With all your guards, nobody here. But you can't get everybody. Bain Latoiv, Bain Lamutov. So that works in both directions. Who garam, second to last line, who garam nezek atzum, ulam gam limid laderis. So again, the silver lining. He also taught us, which is why this is in the Navi. We're not here to learn about bad news only. We're here to learn about what the Yitzhahar is. We're here to learn about how damaging it can be. We're also here to learn that whatever you do, it's not going to work. Klai Yisrael will still continue. She'ain tikva la'am Yisrael. First page. This method will never work. This is a very hard lesson for the assimilationists, of which we've had more in the last 300 years than ever before. But Menashe was trying to do this ahead of his time. And that is, you could try to disappear and assimilate and please the gods and blend in and call off the quote-unquote experiment in order to survive. Uh, they're going to chase you wherever you are, and you're Jewish even fourth generation, and it doesn't make a difference. So it's still, well, but again, it's, uh, he, he's the first one who really tried this, but unfortunately, yes, it doesn't work. You can get to the pinnacle of being spitz goyish. It's not going to help. And he adds, the next paragraph, which is why he had to kill so many people, is that there were many good Jews and they didn't take the sitting down. And there was a big fight, an ongoing fight. And they will survive and pass, over, pass on the Messiah that when Yeshua's grandson becomes king, they will snap back. Again, not fast enough or good enough, but it will, there will be a resurgence because uh, there are always good people around. Skip to the next bracket. Bavadai Ram Lavavai. Now here's the very painful part of what's going to happen in this parish. And that is that he had incredible what looked like incredible hatzlacha on the ground, and the longest reign of any king. That's classic tzaddik v'ra'lo, rasha v'tayvloi. It's very painful to see tzaddikim who are succeeding. I was telling the Bacharim in the shir before Meirav that uh, Kayin and Hevel got into a big fight, huge. And Kayin's about to kill Hevel. The only thing he didn't realize is Hevel was stronger. So Hevel actually ended up on top. And he was about to kill him in self-defense. And then Cain started screaming, mercy, don't kill me, I'm sorry, forget the whole thing, we'll split it up however you want. Don't kill me, there's only two of us. Tati's going to be very upset. And Hevel was a nice guy, so he let go. I told him, I think the expression, nice guys finish last, 
started over here. Nice guys finished last is Kfira. It's a bad expression, even though we use it, but I think this is where it started. So I told them, just for the Ashkafic side, it looks like over here, nice guys finished last because Hevel was killed after being nice and Kayim was alive. And it's not true. Because Hevel ended up being a Gilgal all the way to Meshur Abenu and lived on the Deri Deris and Kayim was basically wiped out in the marble. You've got to have a very long view of history to understand who finished first and who finished last. And that's hard to handle in the middle of a Holocaust, in the middle of an Inquisition, in the middle of Manasseh's reign. And that's a crucial yusoid. So he's pointing out that while this is going on, he became a bigger ball guy, even more sure of himself. And he went on for a couple of decades, nothing went wrong until he was captured and almost killed. Then he did tshuva. But it was going very well. And he was thanking his newfound gods on his success. And he thought he was the most successful leader ever. And our lesson is, it's not going to last forever. And nice guys finish first, not last. So that's a very powerful lesson that we have to walk away with from this whole debacle. Top line in the next column. And as we know, 55 years, the 22 years he did Avadazar and enforced it, the other 33 years he's going to do tshuva. That's Amin Meruba Laparitz. It's a lot of tshuva. To his credit, question is again, how much could he undo? Ulam Zeis Ein Yirmiya Maskir. Very important point as well. Yirmiya and Malachim doesn't mention that. We're going to see it soon. But it's not mentioned here. Because the jury's still out whether he himself can have a let alone undoing the damage for Klai Yisrael. So over here in Malachim, it's not even mentioned. If you take a look at Divrei Yamim, which is always parallel to what's going on here, but there are crucial points in Divrei Yamim that are not mentioned in in Malachim and vice versa, and there's a cheshman, of course, why that is. Yermiel is trying to show the damage that the Russia did, and Divrei Yamim sometimes gives you the other side of the picture. Take a look at page one in this set, which is page one of Divrei Yamim, page three over here. Pasuk Yud, Vaydeber Hashem al-Manashev al-Amoy, it's Divrei Yamim Beis, Lamed Gimel Yud. If you don't have the Marmar Kermis and you're listening, Vaydeber Hashem al-Manashev al-Amoy v'lohik shivun. Trying to get them to do tshuva through the Nevi'im. That's uh, an important puzzle to keep in mind. There were Nevi'im functioning at great peril to their lives, and they were talking to the crowds on top of their soapbox. I don't know who invented the soapbox, but I guess you had to stand on something. And they were trying. It wasn't working. And Asher came back as the punishing rod in order to wake them up. Chaychem are the things you put in the nose of the animal to lead them away. And he was led away in chains. Next page. Bovelo. This is going to give us a whole insight into his capture and what he did with the lessons learned. Again, as the Dasefim points out, none of this appears in Malachim. His conjecture is that 
we don't know if his shuvah is accepted on a personal level, and we certainly know that Kaisal didn't rebound right away. But here the Pasuk says that he did try after, the Pasuk leaves out the Chazal, that he yelled out to every one of his Avarazars, nobody was home, not surprisingly. And then he said, no, seventh grade, sixth grade, wasn't that long ago. I remember they taught us about Hashem Elohim. Why don't we try that? Which is an interesting way to do tshuva. And as the Gemara says, the Malachim were up in arms. And they didn't want to accept the tefillahs. The Malachim that are created by Averis have a, unfortunately, have the ability to create a shield to block tefillahs. And the Kajbach Kaviachal had to create a uh, uh, side pipeline. And he was machni himself. Hence the machoikis. Says the Ferish Mapasik, he's brought back to his malchus in Yushalayim, which physically he was in summer Medayik. He's brought back to his malchus, but not to Elam Haba. And some say no, his malchus enabled him to now clean up for 33 years, and he did get Elam Haba. Well, he certainly knew that because uh, that tefillah is the only thing that saved him. He was getting fried alive. And he started not only doing tshuva himself and suggesting tshuva, he built up Yishalayim and cleaned up the base of Mikdush. He took out the Avodah from the base of Mikdush and from everywhere else. And he tossed them out of the city. So that was the Surah Meirah. Now he's going to rebuild the Mizbeach. What do you do when you get back from war and you're saved? So you bring a carbon teda. Bring out the Kabbalah. And he did all that. This is wonderful. Again, pretty astounding. None of this is mentioned at all in Malachim. So now we're back to that, after Chizkiel finally fixed that up. Because you can't, for 22 years, have an agenda by law and then change everything. Rak Hashem, page 3. Elokeim. Good news is they were doing it to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but in Obama, Shut Yechutz. Vayesa divrei menashe, silasa el elaka, vidivrei chayza medar meila b'shem Hashem. Elohav it should be. Eloke Yisrael, hinam Al Divrei Malchi Yisrael. So um, the um, actually this pasuk is probably the recap referring to Hashem. The Nevi'im that spoke to him, Hinam Al Divrei Malchi Yisrael. Tfilasa ve'asala v'chol chatasai u'ma'aloi mili div makemis hashem bana behem bamis and all the places he put his altars for the avodazar as a him and Hashem rabsilim of nehach. Before he did tshuva, meaning we put the bad news in Malachim, and the tshuva process was mentioned over here. The true Nevi'im. Which we will get to in due time, was an absolute disaster, and very interestingly, hard to figure out, but not that difficult. Amun just started, had a very brief reign, started doing complete Avodah Zarah, didn't live very long, which is good for Klai Yisrael, not good for him, but he came to the throne after his father did tshuva for 33 years. Yeah, we use the word So, <laughs> okay, uh, interesting. 
That's an interesting, Dirk. Uh, so it's uh, very interesting that he will have 30 years of tshuva and end with that. Whether he got the Lamhab again, we don't know. And then his son takes over and goes back to the first part of his reign. So hard to, hard to understand. It's not like he grew up and he saw the first part more. When he grew up, he saw the second part. But first part did so much damage. And there were so many people walking around still with program A and not on program B, the Chuba program. He picked it up and uh, it's not going to last very long. We're not going to get to him in the next few weeks. But again, Divrayamim gives you the beginning, the long description of the Chuva, and then mentions that, in closing the story, mentions that this is on the tale of his Avodah program, and that's mentioned in Malachim, and then he dies. So that's significant as well. Diriyam is not erasing the fact that that was done and alluding to the fact that, yeah, in Malachim, the Navi just tells you that he did a lot of Avodah and doesn't mention the tshuva, because either a riot from Adamer, he did not do it himself for his own personal tshuva, he couldn't, or it did too much damage even if he went to Elam Haba. So... It's very important, certainly in this case, to read the parallel version of Divya Yom and Malachim. Yes? As far as we were talking about, like, uh, that, that, um, that, 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 but you have to have enough of a population to be able to risk. A coup is a risky proposition. If you get caught, you get executed. And Manasha was pretty strong. He killed a lot of people. We'll get to that in the Pasuk and Malachim. So there weren't enough people who uh, were willing to do it in a timely fashion. And after 20 years, it started happening. So they backed him on the Chuba program, which is, which is good. But it doesn't always work. The Nevi'im were always vocal. The Imo is vocal, but you have to get enough people to... Yeah, yeah that's not, it happened a couple times, but uh, it's, again, you were born in a democracy, so Baruch Hashem, you don't know from coups and revolutions. It's difficult to pull off. And uh, we had a couple in... Uh, remember the one? When was that, Yaakov? They had uh, a few VIPs and generals uh, trying to overthrow the Russian government in modern times. Lasted 20 minutes, an hour, three hours? They were, they were last seen running to the airport. Well, they tried, I mean, the, the planning was more than that. What? It lasted a couple of weeks. A couple weeks? Really? I, we just heard the report. They were running to the airport with the suitcases with the atomic codes. That was, that was in the, I wasn't following. Yeah, that's pretty recent. And it lasted, uh, there were two weeks where nobody knew who was in charge. Pretty frightening. Well, maybe not within just a couple of weeks, but just a few days left. Okay. Well, that led to the disintegration. Yes, which is good, yeah. But Lamaisa, I don't know what happened to them. Were they caught and executed or disintegrated quickly enough that they didn't catch them? No, they, they, caught, they them. caught them. They caught them and they weren't alive too long. They didn't have a very long trial or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. So um, that's the most recent version that I remember. Uh, French Revolution, I was a very young boy. And uh, you know, so I don't... Uh, it's a pretty, pretty frightening proposition. It do- usually doesn't go very well. Okay, that's not next week in Mitzvah Shem. I'm going to go to the Peleates. We will have the last part of the, uh, of the introduction, and then the Pesukim will go pretty quickly because we have, a, we have a pretty thorough understanding of what was going on. What was that? I imagine it's also very harsh for the citizens who were like, kind of... Fucking yes, ill. yes, yes. This is difficult, especially most Jews want to do the right thing. This is painful for them to watch. And uh, it uh, wasn't easy. Okay, let's go to the Peleates.
We will begin a new a new piece on Kufmem Hetabaram on Hashkama. We're not going to talk about, well, maybe we will a little bit, the Hashkama Minion. The Hashkama Minion in America has a very bad rap. The reason is, just for a little history, is the, the uh, people who are older than the 25 in the room are already uh, know what I'm going to say, is that uh, in the Free Degaderis, I wasn't party to this either. I'm not old enough. In the Free Degaderis, there was a struggle. Every generation has this, has some desayim. There was Avodah Zarah. In America, it was Chilo Shabbos. So you just landed and uh, you got drunk with the possibilities of the Golden of Medina. And uh, before the unions uh, did what they were supposed to do from the Shlichus of Akash Baruch Hu, we had a long series of shirim Shabbos afternoon on the downside of unions. But the upside was they got rid of the seven-day work week or the six-day work week. Sunday was never a work day. And they got rid of Saturday. And Baruch Hashem to, to us that was Shabbos and that vastly improved Shemir Shabbos in this country. And no idea what that did. The Nisayin was, uh, for most people... They felt it was insurmountable. Nothing's insurmountable. But uh, most people were going to work on Shabbos in some form or another because uh, they couldn't eat. They felt they couldn't eat. Again, there were, hey, look at Sadiq and Bupas, which is why we're still sitting here. Uh, but there were people who felt uh, look for a job every Monday morning were just uh, wearing them down. It was too difficult. It was a very difficult Nisayan. Hard for us to imagine. But it wasn't that long ago. This is not ancient history. And the uh, good people, these are good yidin and want to do the right thing, often try to go, to go to work and get on the trolley and jump on and you pay before and you pay after, you try not to pay and not carry muksa and they go to the shop and not do their races. And many of them did tshuva and many of their children did tshuva, uh, even on the spot. I'm not talking about the tshuva three generations later. Most of them did not because if you start cutting corners, even on one kutsa yudah with the rabbana and the children are going to see that Lamaisa at the end of the day Making a panasa, making it in America, making it big, uh, trumped uh, the tiktok ba'alacha. And when children see that, that gets difficult. We're not blaming them. These are good people. And many of them did fix it up when they could. But it was, uh, it was a balancing act which you uh, can't really hold all the balls in the air because once you start chipping away at the it doesn't go for that long. What they tried to do was go to Minyan very early, hence the Minyan, and Shachras, Musuf, and Kaddish, and, uh, and then Kiddish, and then uh, Suda, if you had time, Kedasa, Kedin, and now it's 8 in the morning, and you're good to go, and you jump on the trolley. Or walk to work, if you're in the Lower East Side, you can walk to Midtown to the sweatshops, so the sweatshops on the Lower East Side, I don't know where they were. Uh, wherever they were, you can walk. And um, that's where Hashkama Minyan became popular. And that's why it has a bad rap. Um, has a bad rap also if you just want to quote-unquote get it over with. Davening is not here to get it over with. And it's not here to get it over with and then miss the only 20 minutes of learning you would do with the rabbi's drasha. And then not uh, be called upon to pledge anything when you get an aliyah because it's a quicker minion. You know, it had other, other bad reasons why somebody would want to do that. But in essence, the Gemara Bracha says, just to paint the positive side. Uh, that would be the proper Hashkama Minyan, but that's where it uh, comes from. That's not what we're going to discuss. Hashkama over here will discuss the ability to get up very early to learn at the Davin and to get a head start on your Avedis Hashem. Amru Razal, that's Chazal. That's a very interesting way to start off an entry on Hashkama. That's more Kayan and Hevel. Somebody comes to kill you, you kill him first. 
So where is that most applicable? Pirshu Amafarshim. Shavitzayim Laim Aliyetzahara. The main murderer that is walking around and lurking all the time is the Yetzahara, and he's trying to kill you in Yeruchnius. So if you know his plan, before he gets you, get him. So that's the epitome of the Kiyam of Abad Lahacha Hashkem Baharga. The best way to kill your Yitzhahara is to beat him, to get up earlier and start your day right very early with learning and davening and then you will be off to such a good start he'll go bother somebody else. That's an amazing insight. Yitzhahara has free reign when already you're getting up and you're pushing Zman Kriyashma and you're pushing, pushing Zman Kriyashma of the Grom, which we will hopefully make, and you already got off on a bad start on the wrong side of bed, and uh, you already feel like, okay, today's not going to be one of those real Ruchnius Nika days. So you're already way behind. Chavaz uh, Chaim, who was very elderly, not his whole life, but as we know him, uh, told over a story once, Poland was freezing in the middle of the winter. Picture a day like this in the autumn, drop it another 30 degrees, and then add the slight uh, detail of not having heat, central heat. So you got up in the morning and you were icicles already, and then you had to go to the best medrash and somebody had to start the fire, which means you had to get there at four in the morning. It was, uh, it was difficult to get up in the morning, and one time it was four in the morning, and Chavaz Chaim was getting up as he was the Chavaz Chaim, and he tells over the story that Yitzhahara came to him and said, you know, you're already an old man, and this is not healthy, and Neshmarta Medlanashasechem and all the Fumatayin is, why don't you sleep for another hour? You got up at five, that's still very respectable. And why are you up so early? You're so old. And Chavetz Chaim says, you're just as old as I am, and you seem to be up very early. So you've got to put them in their place very quickly when they come to you and say this, and that's what this Hashkam is all about. When you show that tremendous gvurl is gaber kari, and to get out of bed quickly. Everybody always quotes that the Chazal say you can't jump out of bed too quickly. Nobody I know has that problem. Uh, one one Bachar was telling me he jumps out of bed right away. Uh, most people are Mekayim that din. They wait a minute or two or a snooze button or two or three. And then they uh, get up. And the question is, do you get up? And how early is it when you finally get up? And if you're Meskabek Ari, the Yetzar has already his kishkas knocked out of him. It's a tremendous yesoid. When you win the first battle of the day very early, you have a head start, and there's a special siyat tashmaya that you get. And the older you get up, it's kind of quiet out. The phone's not ringing yet. And the trick is, by the way, not to pick up the phone start checking all your emails from the night before because then you'll never get... get a start means a start without the world knowing about it yet. You can learn with Yisha You can accomplish more than you do the rest of the day. And that's a tremendous maila. Again, he's talking from a practical point of view. You get up early and before things start getting crazy. And the siyat you get in Shemayim and the push you get and the shechita of the Yitzhahar at that point for being misgaber on the first and probably most important Yisrael that most people face every day is getting up in a timely fashion with Zrizus. That will give you the uh, tailwind, so to speak, for the rest of the day. 
And the worst thing you do is beat the Yitzhar, get out of bed, and then go smoke and have coffee for an hour and look at the paper. He said, if you're getting up and you beat the Yitzhar, get up and do something with it. And if you misuse the time, obviously it's going to go in the negative direction. Once you're up, make use of every moment. We will continue. Shabbos. Yes, that's correct.